Good evening, and thank you all for joining us. It is indeed a pleasure to be with you all again this evening. If you are a first-time guest with us, let me take the time to welcome you. We appreciate you stopping and giving us a listen. If you would like to connect with us further or get to know us a little bit better, please go to newarkupc.info. There you can you know, rummage through our cards and, and see what you can find out about us. But you can also send us an I'm new card and uh, leave us your information if you'd like us to uh, add you to our list of reminders that keeps you in the loop about what's going on here. Uh, we'll be happy to do that. But if you're usual here, welcome again. It's always a pleasure to be with you all. Uh, I want to remind you all at the outset that this coming Sunday is Easter and we will be celebrating communion virtually again. This will be our second time during COVID. So you want to have something uh, available, some bread, some juice, something in that manner, that you can celebrate the death of Christ with us and we can remember what he did for us. So this evening, I'm going to continue our series. As we ramp up to Easter, we're looking at the various events leading up to the crucifixion, and in particular, key characters that were involved. Followers of Christ were not the rich and famous or those uh, in the upper echelons of society. Though there were some exceptions, most of Jesus' followers were the poor, the sick, uh, the oppressed, the outcasts, you know, those sort of on the outskirts of society. And it didn't help that Jesus himself wasn't very well thought of. This teacher, healer, miracle worker with a shady birth and from the wrong side of the tracks who had no place of his own and hung out with all the undesirables, he he didn't appear very successful as a man, and he certainly didn't fit the bill of a savior. He and his followers appeared to be losers. This evening, we will look at the orchestrated events uh, where those who should have understood him the most, this Jesus the Messiah, uh, the one uh, for whom they had greatly waited and had waited with great anticipation, uh, they, should have, they should have understood him the most, but instead they didn't. And in fact, not only did they not understand him, but they conspired against it. Through our series this week, uh, we hope to shed some light on some of these, uh, some of the different characters and just how uh, they weren't looked at in the best light. And, and uh, that's the hence, that, uh, hence the title of our series, The Religion of Losers. Uh, so though that's the title of our series this week, I'm going to title my message something a little quirky. This came to me as I was reading. I'm going to title this message, Passed Around and Passed Over During the Passover. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. Lord, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for keeping us, O oh God. We thank you for your great faithfulness, Lord Jesus. God, as we remember your death, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made at Calvary, Lord. We appreciate you this night, Jesus. Be in our midst, O oh God. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As I prepared for this message and I read the accounts of this story from all four Gospels, I was trying to decide which account to use. To my absolute delight, I found that each Gospel included some juicy details that the others did not. I also found that several translations included key words and phrases that really shed some light on some interesting dynamics. So tonight, I will tell you the story using the accounts from all four Gospels. You should certainly go back and read each account for yourself. 
I'm going to do my best to um, kind of mingle these accounts in order uh, of the events. But again, be sure to go back and, and, and read for yourself. So tonight, I'm going to start after Judas betrayed Jesus and after the soldiers came and arrested Jesus in the garden. If you'd like more about that message, go back to our last Sunday's message where Meg Amitpour preached about that, and uh, you can pick that up. But I'm going to pick up the next part of that story, starting in John 18, uh, verse 13. And it says, first they took him to Annas, him meaning Jesus. They took him to Annas since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders it is better that one man should die for the people. Note here, who was plotting against Jesus? The Jewish leadership. And hold on to that. I know that if we're betrayed by other people in general, right? we're not so shocked. But when we're, when we're betrayed by our own, well, that's quite another story. And so let's, let's see what happens here uh, in this story. So going back to our story, John 18, starting with verse 19, says, Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogue and in the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across his face. Is that the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Well, Matthew 6, starting with verse 63, records some additional details about this line of questioning. Uh, it reads this way. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah the Son of God. And Jesus replied, You have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes to show his horror and, and said, Blasphemy! Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard this his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? Mm-mm-mm. Gotta hold my peace on that one. Well, after being questioned and abused by this Jewish council, Jesus was bound and sent to Caiaphas, the high priest. So far, Jesus has been passed to Annas and his crew, and now passed to Caiaphas. And after standing trial before Caiaphas, he was passed to the Roman governor, Pilate. Let's pick up in John 18, 28. And it says, Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. That's shady, right? The early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them. And they wouldn't be able, I'm sorry, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you. 
if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Luke 23 and 2 recorded that they also said, This man has been leading our people astray and telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Now, isn't it interesting that these religious um, leaders, I almost say losers, which actually is kind of fitting, but anyway, isn't it interesting that these religious leaders were concerned about uh, being rendered unclean and unable to celebrate the Passover, but they had no problem lying and conspiring to have an innocent man put to death. But Pilate knew that these dudes were dishonest and that the real reason they wanted Jesus arrested was because they were jealous. Mark 27, 18 adds, he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. So Pilate was not fooled here. John 18, 38, I'm sorry, John 18, 31 picks up and it says, then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? So somewhere in here in this Pilate questioning Jesus, Mark 15 verse 19 records that just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave this innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. I thought that was pretty interesting that she was able to pick up on that. John 18 verse 36 continues. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them he is not guilty of any crime. Now Luke 23 records, Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Now, now let's see. So, Jesus had been passed to Annas and his crew, to Caiaphas, to Pilate, the Roman governor, and now to Herod Antipas. My goodness, you're getting now where, I, where I'm calling this um, passed around and passed over during the Passover. Let's go back to Luke 8. Mrs. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. 
He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Hmm. Now, Jesus is being passed back to Pilate. Verse 13 says, Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence, and I find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. Now, it's worth noting here that the ungodly Romans, Pilate, his wife, uh, Herod, they all found Jesus innocent of the Jews' accusation that he was leading a revolt. Now, Mark 15, starting with verse 6, uh, records the outcome of this rigmarole this way. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. So verse 9 says, Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. I brought your attention to that before. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Barabbas demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Mm-mm-mm. Poor Jesus. A few of the Gospels speak of Barabbas as a robber or a thief. Mark, as we just read, calls him a revolutionary. And other historical data supports that he indeed may have been a revolutionary fighting for the freedom of the Jewish people. If he was... Uh, a revolutionary or insurrectionist, as he was also referred to. I wonder if elements of this crowd may have preferred Barabbas because he fit with what they wanted. Someone who would fight for his people, not this weak loser Jesus, right? He was very impressive. Whatever the case, if Barabbas was fighting the Roman government to free the Jews, it would have been for an earthly temporal kingdom. But Jesus' warfare was not of this world, nor was it for a select few, but it was for the salvation of all mankind. His restraint was clearly mistaken for weakness. And perhaps Barabbas' actions were mistaken for power. Jesus' mission was methodical and spiritual, 
and his kingdom over which he reigned was an eternal was the eternal kingdom of God. And like he told Pilate, if this were his kingdom, his followers would fight. There's a huge distinction between Barabbas' mission and Jesus' mission. Barabbas could very well have been a revolutionary, but Jesus was a transformationalist. Again, Barabbas very well could have been a revolutionary, but Jesus was a transformationalist. Jesus was on a whole different level. Whatever the reason, Jesus was not chosen by the people. Uh, the death sentence that Jesus had, had um, I'm sorry, the death sentence that Pilate, Pilate had, had put on him, it surely cast a gloomy shadow over the future of the faith. After Jesus was passed around and passed over during Passover, Pilate carried out the wishes of the Jewish religious leaders and sentenced innocent Jesus to a criminal's death, while a true criminal went free. I find it ironic that the Passover was a celebration for the Jews to remember when Yahweh caused a death angel to pass over their ancestors if the blood of the lamb was on their doorposts and lentils. That it was in the shadow of this celebration that they would unknowingly sentence their Savior to death. Surely they didn't know. As Jesus stated before he died, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. At the time of the crucifixion, following Christ indeed appeared to be a religion for losers. The disciples had forsaken Jesus. They were hiding in fear. Jesus had been beaten and mocked and finally killed. Evil was riding high. But there's more to this story. Is Christianity a religion for losers? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned for this Sunday and see. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to your mission, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that nothing could sway you for your purpose in coming, Lord Jesus. For truly you had the love of your people on your mind, Lord Jesus. It kept you faithful to, to your cause, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and enduring the hardship and enduring the disrespect um, of the very people that you, that you love so much. God, we thank you, Lord, that you were committed to see your mission through. God, help us, oh God, to appreciate that, to reciprocate the love that you showed forth toward us, Lord Jesus. Be with us, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We ask it all, all of your blessings, all of your mercy, all of your guidance, all of your revelation. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.